Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 60. On this episode, I have Alex Lowen of Inns Brothers. And I wanted to get Alex on to get a kind of perspective of what was happening in Canada and uh, get his his reaction to uh, what's happened with NAFTA and uh, just the overall farm economy uh, north of the border. So, Alex, welcome to the show again. Well, thank you very much, Casey. Thanks for having me. The end of the year, end of the first quarter is coming up here, uh, next 15 days or so. And I uh, just wanted to get your reaction to what the first quarter was like and what what your end of the end of 2017 was like. Right. Okay. Uh, well, from first of all, for our for our business, fiscal is uh, fiscal starts on November 1st. So for uh, from our, from a fiscal perspective, our first quarter is over. Um, and what I can say is that uh, sales were were very very strong, uh, both in November and December. Uh, stronger than we've had in retail sales were much stronger than what we've had in uh, in previous years, specifically used sales. Um, and I guess that's that's a little bit of the optimism that we see in the uh, in the Canadian marketplace right now. Um, now in January and February things tapered off very very quickly. Uh, January and February we had a you know I guess the guys go down south they take their vacations or whatever the case is, uh, but things tapered off uh, quite a bit. Uh, but they've been picking up again uh, in in the last little bit from a retail perspective. So, I think I think overall what we're seeing is the the Canadian ag sector is uh, is optimistic, um, uh, cautiously optimistic, and uh, you know like like most farmers are they're making their buying decisions with caution, and uh, there's uh, there's no rush out there to go buy stuff uh, because uh, there's quite a bit of equipment out there. Uh, you and I both know that and. Uh, that's uh, I think the farmers know that too. There's no doubt. Yeah, so it, it, there, there's no doubt there is still quite a bit of equipment hanging out there that people can go get their hands on. What? So compared to last year, how how is this this first half of the of the calendar year is it shaping up for you? I mean, is it very similar to what it was last year, or is it more calm or, or more a little more busy than than you remembered? Yeah, uh, what we found is that is that the guys that the guys that normally transact uh, at the beginning of the year, um, you know, they, they did that again. Uh, and we had a very strong, uh, very strong turnover of, of the, the normal, if you want to call it flippers, or the, the guys that are normally buying one-year-old or two-year-old equipment. That happened very, very quickly this year. Um, and we had, uh, we had some uh, good success there. Uh, I think there was, there were some sales that we pushed or generated for sure, but uh, uh, compared to, Compared to the year previous, compared to uh, fiscal 2017, uh, the, the first quarter of 2018 has been uh, substantially stronger for us, for sure. And I think that's what we're hearing from other Canadian dealers, uh, specifically Western Canadian dealers. Right. And I, I feel the same. I'm getting kind of the same vibe from a lot of guys that I talk with, too, is that they are feeling like a slight uptick from this year, from this time last year. And the direction that guys are headed is, seems to be more, I don't know, they're they're not they're still cautious and they're still very you know anxious about a lot of things and I think a lot of bankers and ag lenders uh, you know are are uh, pulling the reins back on some guys and some guys are pulling them all the way back but uh, you know this time of year for us last year the same way it was there was a lot of pent up demand that guys were were pushing through and now that they've got as they work through their um, renewal season, getting their new their work, operating lines of capital and stuff like that renewed for for 2018, I think there's going to be um, some some stuff break loose. So, um, 
right now for you, what is the what's the hot item for you guys that you're selling that that guys are are really pointing towards? November and December, we were uh, we were pushing a lot of the, or we were we were getting sold a lot of the one year olds or the one and two year old combines for sure. Um, much of the uh, I think we're not unique in that much of the one year old equipment uh, is is moving quickly. Um, and, uh, and yeah, no, no different than it is in, in other dealers in our area. Uh, what's happened now, uh, uh, very recently in the last couple of weeks, is tractors have turned on, um, whether it be row crop or whether it be four-wheel drive, whether it be tracks. Uh, tractors have turned on as guys are starting to think about getting ready for spring. I mean, at least that's how we are up here. Um, we're having a tough <laughs> tough. Tough to move combines in uh, in January and February, but we are moving some. But uh, your question is, you know, what's hot right now? Well, right now it's it's tractors getting ready for spring. Tractors, planters, and receivers. What's the combine market like coming out of the end of the year, end of the year buying periods, those kind of things? What what's the overall feel for your for your combine marketplace? So the uh, like I said earlier, the the the, the near new, the one-year-old, the two-year-old, that's just moving. That just that just happens. Uh, I, I, and it's not quite that simple, but we've got programs in place and and uh, uh, sales kind of lined up for that. As the combines get older, um, specifically in, in the John Deere world, as they get to be 2014 and older for us up here, especially as um, uh, the guys up here are looking for small grains, tough small grains packages in the uh, 2014 and newer combines or 2015 and newer combines, pardon me. Those weren't available back uh, back in the older or the initial release of the S-Series. And uh, so we're having a little bit more of a challenge with the uh, with the 2012 to 14 uh, S-Series, uh, both 670s and 680s. Um, and then as they get older, I mean, we really taper off in numbers. Uh, as, they, as they get into the into the 70 series and 60 series but uh, for us the big challenge is 70 series combines and uh, and early uh, s series yep and I, I would echo those uh settlements pretty much to the to the word there i mean our uh but there again when machines are priced correctly regardless of the hours they seem to sell pretty fast um i think in our neck of the woods it's very much a a payment driven right. marketplace yeah. more than it is agree. anything. It, yeah. <clears throat> if we can if we can upgrade what they have and 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 maybe keep their payment the same or or decrease it in some fashion, maybe it's with a lease or whatever it is that we do, um, that seems to be be moving yeah. stuff down the line. So um, Yeah, we're seeing similar. Um, I think additional uh, we've got um, it seems that it seems that Combines don't, well, it's, it doesn't just seem that way. Combines don't move north-south nearly as easily as tractors do. Combines are an east-west uh, um, machine for us because we configure a small grains combine, whereas many of the guys down south, down the states, configure a, a corn and soybean combine. So from that perspective, uh, the combine market for us is, for the most part, an east-west uh, east market. <laughs> No, that's definitely true. We buy yeah. a lot of tractors out of Canada, and mostly from you. So there's there's a lot of those yeah. that a lot of those that come through. So so yeah, it's uh we do we do take advantage of the exchange rates, and and hopefully we make some of that stuff work in our favor, and yeah. as well as you can too. So hopefully that that is there. But the way the dollar is right now, I I assume that you're probably yeah, working in your favor a little I mean, bit. Right the, you and I've talked about this quite a bit, but uh, currency uh, and exchange rate plays a big deal into into what we can do and how equipment moves north south. 
Um, and at, at the moment, uh, the Canadian dollar is a little weaker than, than it has been for the last while. So that helps us to be able to move equipment down south for sure. Well, let's jump into uh, a topic that I've talked about a few times. I've had a few different guests on. and got one coming up uh, that'll be on here um, later this week. <laughs> NAFTA, um, new president, and, you know, there's, I, you know, I think everyone was just, excuse me, I think everyone's surprised that, that he's messing with NAFTA, but he said he was going to talk about, you know, renegotiating NAFTA. And I think where people are shocked was that he actually said what he was going to do, and, and then he's, he's done that, and like other politicians in the past who make all these promises and never follow through with them. So um, as a Canadian, and, and, and I'm weighing on my opinion as well, but as, as, the, as a Canadian is, and, and as a Canadian that's involved in the, in the uh, agriculture marketplace, and, and that's what NAFTA really has been favorable to everyone involved in that. I mean, granted, there's some probably ebbs and flows there that can go either way, but give me your opinion uh, of what's happened with NAFTA and, and give me your kind of outlook on what you see happening. Well, yeah, as <laughs> uh, I don't know that we know what's going on with NAFTA, first of all. You know, there's, there's a lot of rhetoric and there's a lot of talk back and forth, and uh, um, it seems it, it seems especially in the ag world, both sides of the border would like for NAFTA to continue in, in, in a very similar way to the way it has been has gone in the past. Um, that being said, um, the, the, there's always every day I can look up NAFTA and Trump and NAFTA and 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 a discussion on the on the uh, whether it's on the computer on uh, or, or the local media or, or or the national media, and there's always some discussion as to what's happening today and what are the opinions of of um, you know, whether it's the press or, or other other politicians or other business people as to what's what's going to happen and that's i think the biggest challenge that we have right now is that we don't know what's going to happen we, what we we hear uh we hear either side talking about what they'd like to do with nafta uh and and recently i guess some of the concern has been or not necessarily concern but some of the uh, one, one of the other uh, uh parameters thrown into the mix has been the tariffs on on both aluminum and steel and uh, um, the Canadian government wants to be exempt from uh, the Canadian government and the Canadian people, as far as that go, want to be exempt from tariffs on, on aluminum and steel because we're so closely intertwined as it pertains to the automotive industry. Um, and, and Trump saying, okay, that's cool, but then we're going to do NAFTA the way I want to do NAFTA. And, uh, and which is, again, all cool and everything, but we think, uh, or many of us think, is that the the tariffs on the tariffs on aluminum and steel or any other tariffs that are going to be imposed may have as much of an effect on our economy not specifically because we are concerned about the the effects of aluminum and steel tariffs for for Canada but what about what's going to happen in China I'm just throwing China out there if uh, if China is going to decide to retaliate and say okay we're not buying soybeans from the U S now and if that happens, the, the soybean price changes. And that's going to affect our farms and our farmers just as much as anything having to do with NAFTA. Yeah. So, so it's, it would be, <laughs> I don't want to say it would be nice just to get it over with and figure out what's going on. But at the same time, it would be nice to 
get it over with so that we could decide and, and understand what's going to happen. Right now, there's so much speculation in place um, that, you know, you look at, uh, you probably don't follow our dollar as much as, as I do. And our dollar has been up and down in the last, uh, in the last uh, couple of months, all on speculation, all on what's going to happen. And it's, it's, that, it's that uncertainty as it pertains to whether it's NAFTA or tariffs or anything that are causing fluctuation more than, uh, you know, it's, it's also speculative right now that we're, uh, we're trying to figure out what the impacts are going to be. So we'd like NAFTA to be in place. We'd like, we'd like, uh, we'd like for our, our, our farmers, and I say that both, both the Canadian farmer and the, uh, and the U.S. farmer, to enjoy what we've had in the past. Um, and right now we do. But uh, we'd like for it to stay. We'd like at least for that part to stay the same. Yeah, that, and that's the biggest part when you start looking at guys at these trade agreements is that it's so hard to unpack parts of it from other parts of it. You know what I mean? So, like for example, corn and soybeans, and and how they're how how the NAFTA agreements are looked at and written are the same. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's it's X or it's Y; yeah. they're all treated the same. And that, and that's the hard part about this is that are there some unfair trade things between the U.S. and, and, and Canada and Mexico and everywhere else? I'm sure there probably is. You know, it's been yeah. 20, what, five years or something since NAFTA has been been around. A lot's changed since then. So probably there probably does need to be some revamping of of the uh, of the trade situation there. But like you said, and that, that China example yeah. is a good one. You know, yeah. China says, all right, we're not going to buy any soybeans from you well that's that's a pretty big, <laughs> that's a pretty big swath of 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 revenue that that are equally across both sides of the border you know that soybeans are are a big deal you know i mean if we if we lose revenue guys aren't going to yeah. buy used equipment out of canada and, and there's going to be you know the, and vice versa you know it's just a it's a big it's a big thing that 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 has to be handled delicately um and sometimes I, I want to just have I want, I want to make sure Trump understands that you know that there's there's some stuff out there that that we have to tread lightly with and, and the repercussions of it the ripple effect is huge. Yeah, so it's just I don't know. Yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I mean not that not that it's surprising. Um, I mean we all use whatever negotiating tactics we can. But uh, uh, a month ago, um, steel and aluminum tariffs had nothing to do with free trade. Right. And, and so that's what it is <laughs> right. this week. That's yep. what it is this week. And what's yep. it going to be? What's it going to be two weeks from now? And that, that, that's, that's the challenge we have with, with trying to understand where these guys are at. Right. Yep. And that's the thing, too. I mean, I, I want to make sure that everyone is on an equal playing field. And, you know, if... if Country Y is something something over to Country B, and there's a three uh, percent tariff over there. And then it goes over to Country, you know, B, and, and they they're coming back to Country A, and, and Country A has a fifty percent tariff. That's not fair, you know. We need to, you know, if it's going to be three percent for your goods to come into our country, it's three percent. That's fine. If it's going to be fifty percent for us to send stuff over to you, then we probably need to be either we all need to be on the same playing field, right? So that, well, well I think I think once you once once anybody starts heading down the path of tariffs it's just a back and forth oh it's yeah and, uh, it's a giant <laughs> piss match that's all it is yeah exactly 
you know. So, I mean, you can, there's a lot of people that, uh, I can't remember who was telling me this story once, but it was, I can't remember what they called it. But when one country would get mad at another country, they would they would take the the produce and leave it on the dock till it rotted and say, and then, then when it's rotted, they would run it through the inspection process. And lo and behold, it wouldn't be able to pass tariff because everything got, yeah, everything yeah. was spoiled. You know what I mean? So you're just, you're just messing with one thing over another. So yeah. it's just a constant give and take. And I agree with you on the tariff thing. It's either you have equal tariffs or you have no tariffs and you figure it out yeah. from there and, and, and you try to try to maintain that and but each country needs to be able to have whatever industry they can have to produce what they need to produce and and go from there so i don't think you and i or either one of us are gonna figure that out in this probably not i guess so but yeah so it'll it's a it's a never-ending saga and hopefully like you said i'm with you i hope it comes it comes to a head here soon and we and we know one way or the other what's going to happen yeah yeah so all right, so looking out the spring, um, we're coming ready to head into some EOPs here. How does your uh, planter and air seeder market look, and, and how's that shaping up for you guys? Well, we're not nearly as we're not nearly as um, um, air, planters aren't nearly as big a deal up here as they are down there. I, go, I mean, we all get that. For uh, for us, air seeders is a big thing, and we've got uh, uh, we've sold our way through the. Uh, I mean, we've sold into into the spring nicely. We've, we've got a. Um, uh, a good batch of new air seeders coming in uh, our used ones i'm i'm real surprised in the last about two weeks uh we're getting a lot of calls on uh on on the used air seeders and and it's funny thing it's coming more from south dakota north dakota than it is from manitoba saskatchewan uh which is i don't know it's just interesting for whatever reason um so um yeah like i said we're 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 much bigger into air seeders we've got planters up here there's no doubt but the, the farmer in our area, at least until now, hasn't placed as much um, importance on the, on the precision of a, of a planter as they have down, uh, down in the corn belt. There's some guys that did. There's some guys that have. But many guys are just getting into corn and, and kind of dipping their toe. Um, and as, as, as the farm becomes um, more reliant on corn as a revenue source, they're getting... Uh, they're getting more picky about the equipment they buy. How is your uh, how is your used sprayer market, and how is the new market shaping up for you? <laughs> okay, so the the used sprayer market, we are we're sitting very comfortable. Uh, we've got uh, we are we are buyers of sprayers at this point in time. Uh, uh, the the R series is is definitely uh, definitely done well for us and continues to do well for us. Uh, our uh, and our new, we've got uh, we've got a good sell through at this point in time of the new equipment, and uh, you know machines are landing. I don't want to say every day, but machines are landing regularly, and uh, yeah, we're doing fine on the on the new side. What do you think uh, going through the rest of 2018? What do you think, um, specialists looking to the fall here? It's not quite the end of the year yet, but looking into uh, the spring, where do you think some of your strong points are going to be, and 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 how are you ramping up to get to get ready for those? Right. Okay, well, uh, spring for us has always been, uh, I mean, early spring, I should say, has always been for us uh, a large tractor business, whether it's nines or, or, or large eights. Um, and for us, we're big track. Uh, we're big track country, so uh, we've, done, uh, we've done good in, in making sure that we have inventory that way. And uh, um, there's, a, there's a, 
uh, order bank. It's not, it's not really an order bank, but there's, there's, we've got an awful lot of leads uh, that we're working on uh, on, the, on the large tractors and doing well there. Um, for us, and, and not unique at all to us, but uh, for us, our challenge for the rest of the year, or for the, or a lot of our challenge for the rest of the year is, is, is rolling through our use combines. Um, again, not at all unique to us, um, but um, uh, that's, that's always our challenge is getting, making sure that our combines move before August or before uh, middle of July. And we'll continue to do that this year. You're a big track country where you're at, and, and you're selling a lot of track machines. How has the adoption of the 9RX been for your customers? And I thought, you know, looking back a year now, I'm a little over a year now that we've been in this 9RX market, that I really thought that the the two-track machine would take a uh, would take a hit and there would be uh, some struggles to get rid of those. And yeah. if anything, I think that the, the two-track machine actually gained some strength because of that. So... How, what's your opinion of that, and, and how do you see that 9RX market shaping up? Well, first of all, there's no doubt that the 9RX market has taken off for us, and, and it has opened up. Well, both there are some deer customers that have that have swapped their, their RTs for RXs, no doubt, and uh, and we've won some competitive business. You know, taking some quad tracks or taking some other brands of equipment and replacing them with RXs. Absolutely, it's been a it's been a good product both for deer and for us. It has. It has impacted our uh, both our 9RT demand and supply. Um, we've got um, we we do have in the nine sized uh, too many RTs right now, and I think that that is uh, is something that we're always we're, we're very cautious about. Um, and the volume of RTs that are out there, whether it's uh, not just us but across Western Canada, causes uh, causes us to be I'll say cautious when buying them. Uh, but there's a market. Uh, there's no doubt. It's a great tractor, um, and there's a market for it. And the guys that like them really, really like them and, and want to stay with them. The eight RTs seem to they, they seem to hold their own. Uh, the smaller ones, the, the, they they just seem to hold their own, and um, we continue to have strong sales that way. Our, our eight RT marketplace is growing here more than it's probably been in the past. We have a lot of guys oh, okay. with potatoes yeah. that have moved into the area. And so that that potato market has really, really uh, struck uh, a chord uh, with our nine or eight RT and nine RT marketplace. So um, we see a little more of that that activity uh, uptick in that activity. So uh, things things are going good. So when you look at some, what what do you feel like weak points are for you going into the spring, and and, and how are you shaping your business to to kind of head those out? Yeah, um, for us specifically, we're still we're still challenged with with um, uh, getting our, our inventory in line with where it should be. We, we oversold uh, and overtook, overbought uh, a while ago. And so we're continuing to deal and work through that. But uh, as, far as, as far as what products we have and wh- what are we ready to sell, um, what's gonna happen, promise you this, is we're gonna, we're gonna be short on air seeders and we're gonna be short on planters but we don't know which ones those are right now. I mean, the, we've, we've, we've got a good supply of them right now, uh, but every spring we seem to, we seem to, uh, to uh, require more or need get, get more demand than what we have. The secondhand guy that's coming in and, and buying that, that one or two year old trade in, or is most of your stuff that you see happening? Is it, I mean, it's not, I hate to use the word last minute buyer, you know, I, mean, I don't think anybody wakes up and says, I'm going to go buy $150,000 something in the morning. No, um, 
No. So where, where do you feel like that demand's coming from and, and what is it that that's driving that? No, it's exactly what you say, Casey. It's, it's, the, or it's, it's, it's not the one-year-old buyer. It's not the guy that's, that's normally buying equipment that's, that's, uh, that's premium. What it is is it's the guy, you know, uh, two trades down. But uh, we can usually go to the guy. Uh, the, uh, we, we, we've usually done our job and sold the fellow who needs the one-year-old piece of equipment or the brand-new piece of equipment. We've done that already. And we've, so we brought our inventory in. Um, but we just haven't been able to find, like right now, if we could find, if I could have um, 10 year old 1895s, uh, 10 year old 43 foot 1895s, I know we're going to sell a bunch of them, but we can't get enough of them because the guy that, the guy that has them, he's, he's keeping them. Um, for us, uh, and, and the reason for, for us, a lot of what's happening is the guys are moving away from a hole drill and moving into a, into a zero fill drill. And, uh, and we just can't get enough of them. Uh, and if, and and we've got real good competition from the North Dakota buying as many as as are out there too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alex, I think we've covered it here for the for this uh, this little conversation we've had. So before we shut it down, man, do you have any last words you want to throw out to the rest of the world? Uh, go Jets. Go Jets. No, nothing else really. All right. No. No. That'll work, buddy. I got got to take you to a hockey game someday or something like that, so you can understand the game. Yeah. I. One time, went to a uh, a boxing match and a hockey game broke out, so it was, yeah, it was a lot of yeah. fun. <laughs> See, that was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate you being on. All right, thanks. Casey. All right, take care, bud. See you. Cheers. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Alex for being a guest on this episode. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can find Regina Nardis on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also find Aaron Fennell at Aaron Fennell on Twitter and Facebook. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. Moving Iron LLC has a website you can visit, movingironllc.com. Here you can find information on the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles throughout the year. There will be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. And if you shop Amazon, please use the Amazon click-through at movingironllc.com. It won't cost you anything, and you'll still have the same experience you're accustomed to while supporting the podcast. You can find the podcast at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.